morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be across this great nation and around the world. Welcome to Courtside Heat, courtsideheat.com, the podcast. And before I introduce the master of ceremonies, welcome to our newest podcast platforms. Yes, that's right. You may already be on there and be like, hey, what's the big deal? But we are now live on iTunes, live on Google Podcasts, and always our home over on SoundCloud. Very excited. So if you're listening to us from the website, from SoundCloud, a social media platform, what we want you to do is, if you have an iPhone, head on over, or an iTunes account, head on over, type in Courtside Heat, hit the subscribe button, and if you think we're deserving, go ahead and leave a five-star review. The same with Google Podcasts. We're so excited. More platforms to come in the future, but for now, allow me to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, the man that Adrian Wojnarowski would only dream that he could be. The man of all things hardwood. He's been dribbling since his child. Josh. Josh, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Except I just had this like seething sort of tooth pain there for a second. So that was kind of exciting. So, yeah, guys, new day, new time, new place, new platform. Excited to be with you. So much news. So many things happening uh, right now. A uh, quick shout out. I guess LA is going to be the dominant uh, sports city. We'll, we'll have to see what the Rams and the Chargers do. But right now, your Los Angeles Lakers and your Los Angeles Dodgers, both world champions in their respective sports. Um, I hate the Dodgers, but I like Clayton Kershaw. Congratulations to Kershaw. He deserves it. He uh, gets added to a long line of athletes that finally got the championship monkey off their back. So uh, pretty cool. But gosh, so much stuff breaking it down. We're going to talk about Daryl Morey. We're going to talk about Steven Silas. We're going to talk about Ty Lue. We're going to talk about Stan Van Gundy. We're going to talk briefly about the NBA draft. We got other news notes, breakdowns. We got all kinds of stuff happening. We may even have a little draft talk, but by public demand, uh, we may just do a draft special. So hang on for that. But before we do anything, people, we're just hours away from Halloween. Once we get over that holiday, we are smack dab in the middle of November. It is the Christmas holiday season. And you all have sports fans in your life. The first thing we want you to do is tell them about CourtsideHeat.com. Give them a little early holiday present. Tell them about the sickest, sickest basketball site online. Then from CourtsideHeat.com, you can connect with us at Twitter, Twitter.com slash CourtsideHeat, Facebook.com slash CourtsideHeat, Parlor.com slash CourtsideHeat, YouTube.com slash CourtsideHeat. We are killing it on Rumble right now. Got a sick Michael Jordan video montage happening 
on Rumble. And if you're not on Rumble, really cool platform, a little less political and all the silliness of YouTube. Kind of a cool place to connect. Get over there. Get an account. Check out Courtside Heat. And give us some rumbles, baby. That's what we're in for. We need some rumbles. Share it. And then, obviously, Instagram, which has got to be different. It's Courtside Heat NBA. Instagram.com slash Courtside Heat NBA. Before we jump into the breaking news of the day, anything you want to share about socials? Um, so far, um, everything's been now running up to date. Um, well, that was a gripping report on, on social media. <laughs> well, no, well, what do you mean? Well, about social media, we're po- we're pretty much posting every single day to Twitter, Facebook, even the Instagram because we're going better. And check out our Instagram stories because now we're throwing in like promotional things for, like coupons and these like little things about our product on the store. Here's the deal, yo. Here's what's happening on social media. You want to find out about the latest hiring, Courtside Heat on social media. You want to find out about free agent activity, Courtside Heat on social media. You want to see the best in old school, new school, whatever school, elementary school, somebody's school, videos. You got to go on social media. Man, it is awesome. The people connecting with that Courtside Heat website are actual NBA players. They're liking the stories. They're liking different things that are going on. Why? Because courtside heat is the best. And depending if you like long-form stuff, Facebook is cool, man. We could sit there, chat, message, go back and forth all day. We love the retweets. We love the comments, the different things on Twitter. Yeah, I understand it's digital diarrhea right now with politics, but why not take a break from it? Our social media is lit, and you got to be on it. Real quick, I mentioned November. I mentioned the holidays. I mentioned a sports-loving fan. Well, if there's a guy that loves basketball, whether he's a husband, a boyfriend, an uncle, a brother, a friend, a secret Santa Claus, whatever it is, and you ladies, we know 1% of our listing audience is ladies. Hello, ladies. Why not get people what it is that they want? They don't want a crappy tie, right? They don't want another automatic thing that sits on their desk that doesn't do anything. Nobody wants a tree planted in their name in New Guinea. Here's what they want. They want rookie cards. They want autographs. They want vintage starting lineup figurines. They want like old school Space Jam VHS tapes. They want sick cards. This is what, listen up ladies, this is what guys want. And guys, here's the deal. Here's how you get your lady to buy you what it is that you want at Courtside Heat, right? You guys just got done with your wicked TV dinner. You're sitting in front of the tube, right? You have your iPad. You have your laptop out. Be on courtsideheat.com slash store. Pull up that Zion Williamson rookie card that you want. Pretend to fall asleep. Go to the bathroom. Take a phone call. Let your lady see that that's something that you want. And guess what? She'll buy it for you. Courtsideheat.com slash store. Get on it. Holidays are going to be on you before you know it. All right. Let's jump into it. We got news coming out of the yin-yang. So topic number uno. Major executive signing. 
Josh, lay it on him. Where did Daryl Morey go and why? Yeah, so Daryl Morey, if today came out, has signed a five-year contract with the 76 to become the... Oh, well, that would be single annuals for you Espanol listeners. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be signing with the 76ers to become, hopefully, their next president for basketball operations. And really, this has been a crazy kind of period with Daryl Moore because he originally re-signed with the Rockets. Okay, then he wanted to step down. He helped with the head coach committee. And then after that, the 76ers just, Sixers just keep pursuing after him. And finally, agrees to go down to Philly, meet the owner, sign it, and now hopefully become their president of basketball operations. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, look, first of all, bravo to the ownership of the Philadelphia 76ers. For those of you that don't recall, because 2020, let's be honest, guys, has been a blur it has been like one major breaking story after another. And if you put your mask on wrong, it might be on your ear or your face and you miss something. But if you guys remember, Daryl Morey was brave enough and smart enough to express his beliefs in Taiwan. And he's not afraid of the Chinese influence that it has over the NBA. Adam Silver and, and LeBron James and all of that. They're putting their business interests before people. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying what it is. Daryl Morey made a stand, and I'm convinced that's why Fertitta, Fertitta, however you say that dude's name in Houston, I really believe that's why they decided to part ways. I think China played a significant part. Why? Well, as you remember, they were the people that signed what seven foot six giant? Seven foot six. A few years ago, Hall of Fame from China. Yahoo Ming. Not Yahoo Ming. Yahoo's a search portal. It'll be Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Yeah, so Yao Ming. But but remember what Yao Ming is. He was the most popular NBA player. And that really continued to open the doors in the Chinese market. So Houston has a really unique relationship with China with the Chinese government, Chinese distributors. Daryl Morey, having every right in the world, plus it's a moral thing. I mean, look, China has no right to do and impose and, and beat down Taiwan. Maybe not the right podcast for this, but I applaud Morey for doing it. Uh, but I think that played a really big role. Here's what the Philadelphia 76ers said. We're going to put basketball in the city of Philadelphia and our fans before politics, before the economics of China. We're going to do what's right for this team. I applaud them for that. These guys are really unique. They're unique cats. And, you know, their relationship with Meek Mills and Robert Kraft and all the things they did to kind of get him out of the hood scow, out of prison. Everybody knows the rapper Meek Mills. These, these guys aren't afraid to say, this is what we believe in. This is what we're going to go do. This is what we believe in. This is what we're going to go do. And I applaud him for that. That's a very bold move. And people don't remember, you know, LeBron, all of a sudden, if freedom of speech is good as long as it doesn't affect LeBron. It's, it's yet in a long, twisted, 
sort of demented path of LeBron James. We don't want to go down that way, but I guess what I wanted to say in regards to that initially is bravo to the to the 76ers uh, owners uh, for doing that. The one thing I'm trying to figure out right now, Josh, is, you know, uh, what does this mean for Elton Brand? What does this mean? I mean, so we get a GM, Elton Brand. He made some horrible contract signings. We talked about those in, uh, in uh, podcast episodes past. Uh, you guys could go back in the archives on SoundCloud and, and actually on iTunes and Google Podcasts and listen to those. Uh, he overpaid for guys tremendously, i.e. Al Horford. So what does this mean for Elton Brand? Um, was Elton Brand a part of the hiring process? You know, what does that mean? Then also, what does it mean for Joel Embiid? What does it mean for Ben Simmons? What do you think? I will go into Ellen Branders thing. I think he's trying to make up for his past mistakes of overpaying. Because as we know, he's now signed Daryl Moore. Plus, he got Doc Rivers, who's a tremendous head coach, under with the 76ers now. And I think this can help. I think what Ellen Brand's doing is very smart. I think he's going in all the right directions, starting in the office, starting with the coaching staff, working his way down. I think that's amazing what he's doing. I think also with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I think Doc Rivers will utilize him better, saying Daryl Morey will make sure everything goes. I think he'll make sure he has the right process for the head coach, the players overseeing everything. So I think Embiid will go in a positive direction. I think Ben Simmons will get all the help in the world to have his shot, his pad, all of his skills honed in and tweaked. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a really interesting. Uh, the reports coming out of Philadelphia is Josh Harris, the owners of the Philadelphia, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, has said Elton Brand is going to remain his position. They want to have a one-two punch. You know, Elton Brand's in a tricky situation, right? You got Daryl Morey. Now, remember, back in 2018, if you remember, um, I don't know if you remember all the details of Brian Colangelo, right? His father. Jerry Colangelo used to be the owner and, and ran uh, the Phoenix Suns, took over the men's basketball, Olympic men's basketball team, turned that around tremendously. Well, Brian has always kind of been in the background. Well, he was the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers. Apparently, he had a, a burner Twitter account. So every time somebody was criticizing Colangelo, he would go in as somebody else and refute the fans and say, you know, Colangelo's it. So then he resigns. If you remember, Josh Harris made a run at Maury then in 18. So these roots of the Philadelphia 76ers, not just being bold now, but also went back to 2018. But at the time, you know, Daryl Morey's like, look, man, I got Harden. I got this team on the incline. I got the coach that I wanted and D'Antoni. Uh, you know, there was no Paul and, and Westbrook at that moment, but, but that was a team that was expected to contend for an NBA title. So this this flirtatious relationship between Maury and the Philadelphia 76ers, but think about this. You're out in brand today, right? And in short order, you're a brand new GM, right? First time GM. The president of basketball operations, Daryl Maury, Mr. Analytics himself. But then your head coach is Doc Rivers, who was what? Also a GM as well for the Clippers. And won an NBA title with the Celtics. Had some personnel influence with Danny Ainge over there in Boston. All of a sudden, you got 
this guy, Maury, and then you got Doc Rivers, and here you are, and you're best known for overpaying some pretty bad free agents. Pretty tenuous situation. Here's what everybody's going to want to know, right? What happens with Joel Embiid? I, this is just me. Tell me what you think. I think that uh, I think they want Harden. I think Maury's going to want Harden. I think he looks at Ben Simmons to say, this guy's the ultimate point guard. Why? Because he can't shoot, <laughs> right? So you don't have to worry about him running and gunning. He's a driver. He's a slasher. He can kick the ball out. He can kick it out to Harden. Could you see an Embiid for Harden? And then there's going to be a bunch of ancillary pieces in there. Could that be? I don't know. What was funny was, do you remember when Doc Rivers was signed? This is before Maury. That uh, Embiid was throwing out some cryptic uh, tweets, you know, about maybe his his time left with the 76ers. I mean, an interesting sort of thing. What's your take on that? I think you're right because now you put in that perspective with James Harden, Daryl Maury, Daryl Maury after leaving the Houston Rockets, um, just seeing James Harden, just doing all of that, praising him and that stuff. I think it is interesting. I think that if there is going to be a trade for James Harden to come to Philly, I think Embiid will be plucked out there and put in Houston. Because like you're saying, Ben Simmons is like a mini Ricky Rubio in a sense because Ricky doesn't have the greatest shot in the world, but he passed it. Same with Ben. So Ben drives, kicks out to Harden. Now would be a great duo. It would just be like Chris Paul and James Harden where Paul – now, he had better shot and everything, but Paul still can get out the hard and they'll have that duo like. So, I, learned, I like where they're going with that. And I would really see him playing on that and trying to get and beat on the trade block, try to get draft picks and everything else in for Houston. And it'll be interesting. There's a part of me that says he'll let this year play out. Don't forget that Doc Rivers and Maury spent a lot of time together during the championship years in Boston. So there's a lot of ties that are that are really deep between those two guys. So, look, it's a cool story. It makes look. You had a rough postseason in Philadelphia. I think that they they fell woefully behind expectations. We knew Brett Brown was going to get the axe. Was it his fault? You know, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, you know, he certainly was given every opportunity, and and he went through the process. Maury's going to have the process of his own. My gut tells me. That he may keep it as the, the you know Embiid and 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 uh, Simmons for this year, not many drastic moves. I don't know what we're gonna see, but man, Philadelphia all of a sudden became a really interesting organization from the top down. Josh Harris is a very interesting owner. Uh, he has his pros and his cons. Maury, Doc Rivers, they brought some guys in, but Doc Rivers really pulled in some interesting people from. Uh, Sam Cassell, uh, Dave Yorger, the uh, the old uh, Cleveland Cavaliers head coach, to kind of solidify a lot of veteran leadership and defensive strategy on that bench. So Philadelphia, excuse me, Philadelphia got super interesting. Now the Al Horford signing of last year, that could look. He's got Doc Rivers back, and Al Horford played his very best when he played for Doc Rivers. So maybe Maury and Elton Brand and Josh Harris and Doc Rivers don't blow this team up by pulling the trigger on Embiid. The one thing you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind is he is injury prone. So you run the risk of running him out there on the court. If this is a piece that you're like, this is not going to be our piece that we want to build around. Because remember, Maury's all about analytics. I mean, he is nutso 
analytics, right? Um, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I, analytics bad for baseball. I'm not so sure about basketball, right? I mean, but uh, you know, he's he's an analytics guy. So yeah, man, I, I just think the 76 76ers become really interesting. Yeah, I think so too. And I think first year they keep everything playing calm. They don't make anything drastic. But if they bomb that season, they don't get to the expectations that Maury Harris everybody was making. Then they're going to pull the trigger next year. Yeah, these guys know what they're doing. I mean, I think Doc Rivers came in with a plan. I mean, that, that's that's the thing about these job interviews and who's getting hired and who's doing what. You know, Doc Rivers didn't come in there and say, hey, we're going to win an NBA title in 21. He gave a very honest and fair assessment where things are. So, again, I, look, the East is somewhat wide open. I mean, Boston is Boston. Miami's Miami. Uh, we'll see what happens with New Jersey. They're really interesting. Milwaukee. Right? Will they try to move from Giannis if he says absolutely positively that he's not going to re-sign to the Supermax? Are they going to try to offload him for some draft inventory? But the East is the East is pretty wide open with, with Boston and Miami kind of leading the way. New Jersey. Um, and we're going to talk about some New Jersey news here in a little bit and breaking news. So, yeah, Philadelphia, I think it's really kind of a cool story. It makes it more fun, more interesting. Less interesting... Big number dose. Another new hire that happened over the course of the last week or so. Who got hired with the clip joints on? Tao the former NBA champ, um, former head coach champion from 2016. Yeah, Ty Lue, Tyrone Lue, you know, look, I think there's two things uh, that we have to consider right now. One, um, the Los Angeles Clippers have the wealthiest owner in the NBA, Steve Ballmer. Paying luxury taxes, he's built a new facility for the clip joint, and all of that, he's going to make the decisions. But the man that that everybody forgets that's in place, who is the maestro, I mean, he's the one that brought Kobe from Charlotte to Los Angeles, Shaq from Orlando to Los Angeles. He's the one that helped facilitate Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, all these guys, right? He facilitated all this stuff is Jerry West. And Jerry West is a consultant out there. And for the Clippers, he's the man. I think he and Doc Rivers didn't see eye to eye. Jerry West is one of the most brilliant executives ever in the NBA. In fact, I'm not entirely sure, maybe outside of Red Auerbach, but those are two totally different eras, that was there was a better, more successful executive than Jerry West. On the surface, Tyrone Liu is average, but so was Nick Nurse, so was Eric Spolstra. Where was Brad Stevens before he went to the Boston Celtics? He was the head coach at Butler University, right? They almost beat Duke one year in the Final Four. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the national title game. So sometimes that flashy hire doesn't always make sense. I don't see it with Tyron Lue, but there is a difference uh, of trying to manage LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That team is fractured in a lot of ways. It'll be really interesting to see the moves that Jerry West and company make. Um, you know, Ty Lue's system and all of that, he just, the, the success that he had and didn't have you know, Ty Lue has always kind of struck me as that guy that's an amazing associate head coach. But now that he, when he moves to the big boy chair, unless he has that dominant piece, and look, 
with all due respect to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're not LeBron James. You know, um, again, Frank Vogel, good coach, sure. What did Frank Vogel do at Indiana? Not a whole lot. Uh, gets LeBron James, you know, I'm just saying. Dude, does Ty Lue get him over the hump? I, I don't see it, but, but here's what I see. I trust Jerry Wise. Jerry West is a mastermind at building organizations from the bottom up, top down. He's the master of bringing in people and doing all of those different things. Uh, I'm not a huge Ty Lue fan, but I'm willing to trust Jerry West. Yeah, I am too, because if Jerry West sees something in him, they're like, okay, let's just give him a shot. He has five years. Okay, let's see what he can do. And if we need to pull Ty sooner than that, we'll work something out. But I think with Ty Lue, Obviously, what the Clippers were hoping for, that he's able to control egos and um, just bring that championship and playoff knowledge. But yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. What I was just going to say was, going back to your point, Tyler always had that dominant piece, which was LeBron James, and even like that second dominant piece, which was Kyrie Irving. Um, Kawhi Leonard isn't really a leader. He's not going to be that top guy that's going to pull everybody together. He's not that leader type. He's a great shooter, but he's not going to be the one going to tell everybody what's right or what's wrong. Same with Paul George. They're just shooters. They're just players. Well, no, I, I disagree with you a little bit there. I don't think you have to be obnoxious in your leadership. I think Kawhi Leonard uh, uh, is, is, is probably – look, you can't win multiple NBA titles for multiple organizations and be a multiple uh, NBA Finals MVP without being a leader. I don't know what happened in the bubble with Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. I don't know why they went so cold. I don't know why they couldn't figure out how to gel and how to be a system. They were good enough to be up 3-1. How did they fall apart and lose that? Is that is that all on leadership? Is that all on Kawhi? Is I, you know, I don't know, and, and that's really difficult. Uh, here's what I think. I think that, look, expectations are higher. LeBron just won a championship. Uh, those clip joint fans that are out there, and 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 Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, their expectations are going to be: we want that. That is ours. We were the best team in Los Angeles, and they were the best team in Los Angeles on paper. But paper doesn't win championships. So, look, as I said, Ty Lu, I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for one reason and one reason only: Jerry West. Topic number three. New hire as of this podcast recording. Steven Silas is now he's he's now the next head now the new head coach of the Houston Rockets. So is that a big deal or a little deal? Man, that's tough because you gotta remember he was a former now a former Mavs assistant head coach. I think this is like a medium to a big deal because I think under the uh, I might botch his last name. I do apologize by saying under Rick because uh, under the supervision of Rick Carlisle. 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 Thank you. Holy crud! <laughs> Didn't remember his last name, but that's okay. But yeah, under Rick and everything, he had. I think it's a big deal because Silas can come in, and I think he knows how to help this team win. I think it helped make James Harden better than what he's right now. And help make this team come together, pass more. So you gotta remember, he worked with players like Kemba Walker and um, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis and players like that. 
I really do think that he can do something special with this team. Look, first and foremost, uh, the name obviously doesn't ring a bell to you. His father, Paul Silas, was a longtime NBA player and coach. Uh, in fact, he worked for his pop uh, down in New Orleans when he was the head coach uh, for the New Orleans uh, Pelicans uh, back in the day. So Paul Silas was uh, was a great leader, uh, knew how to knew how to coach, knew how to coach younger kids. Uh, Stephen Silas, look, first of all, he was the youngest NBA assistant ever in NBA history, starting out at twenty seven. Right, he comes from a long lineage of basketball. Here's what I think. I think this is uh, again. I do, who was the right hire? Billy Donovan was the right hire for Houston. Billy went to Chicago, right? And I'll blame Billy for going to Chicago. I Sometimes I still question it, but but not a huge deal. He, Steven Silas is going to bring stability. He's going to be able to relate to today's players. To your point, which was an excellent point, he was there in the development of Kemba Walker, Luka Doncic, just to name a few. His father, for years, has taught him how to deal with big egos. And that's what he's walking into is a big ego situation, you know, with Westbrook and Harden. Because right now, there are little oil and vinegar in a lot of ways. Who's the alpha? Who's the alpha dog in the process? The truth of the matter is, Stephen Silas needs to be the alpha in the room. Not Harden, not Westbrook. Because they've proven they can't get the job done. It's now time for Stephen Silas to say, gentlemen, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to institute, and he's going to bring stability. Here's the thing with D'Antoni. Each playoff loss brought a lot of conversation of 69 right now. So last year, 68, 67. That, that's not old, but it's also not young. For football, not old. For basketball, a little old. So the question was, does that work? He's going to bring a completely different philosophy than the than the seven seconds or less or six seconds or less or whatever it is that D'Antoni did. I think this was a smart move from an organization that didn't need a top-heavy coach. Here's why. The, the, the biggest name just left in Daryl Morey. We just talked about that. If the coach becomes the brand of the team, he becomes the de facto general manager. You need to have a Nick Nurse-like, right? Uh, a Billy Donovan-like. Uh, those sort of guys, Monty Williams-like, and hire a general manager to do that sort of thing. I think Stephen Silas is going to do a good job. I really do. Uh, because of his pedigree. Because of his father. Paul Silas, he doesn't have the greatest winning record as an NBA head coach. But he was he was pretty bad, but as as things go, so I like the hire. I like how he's developed young players. I think he's got a good system in place. I think it's going to go really really well. Yeah, I think so too. So it always feels special, like when you have like your father who's just teaching all this stuff, has you on your wing, and it's been proven like through his actions. So I think this is someone you got to keep your eye out on. And look, I. I think there's a lot of diversity candidates out there that, that were deserving of the opportunity. You know, coming down the pike, hopefully it'll be Patrick Ewing next to to get a head coaching opportunity. And so 
I like to see an African-American hired, uh, especially one that's qualified, not just because he's black, right? But he's eminently qualified. I think he's the right man for the job. I think he has the right temperament for the job. So all very, very cool. Topic number cuatro. Big deal or little deal, Josh? Who was just hired as the head coach of your New Orleans Pelicans? Yep, um, Stan Van Gundy was signed with the Pelicans. Oh boy. <laughs> For those that know me, <laughs> know that I loathe Stan Van Gundy. And, and a, a big part of it, there's really just two reasons. Stan Van Gundy represents all that's wrong in the hiring of recycled, uh, not accomplished, not successful head coaches. Uh, Stan Van Gundy, in his last stint with Detroit, set that organization back 10 years. Bad drafting, bad free agents, bad contracts, and then those that he did all that with, he simply didn't know how to coach. Stan Van Gundy is a product of a week east in Orlando, running inside out, big, small. I think Stan Van Gundy was the worst possible choice. Notwithstanding that he is loud, he's obnoxious, and he talks about things that are completely outside of his wheelhouse. This isn't a situation where you say, shut up and dribble. Uh, for me, it's, it's shut up and read a book. And, and what happens here is, it was recently said within the last month by a political figure, you're allowed for your own set of opinions, but you're not allowed to have your own set of facts. And the fact of the matter is, is that Stan Van Gundy talks a great game. You know, there's a lot of people out there, even in your own personal life, that you can meet that are professionals at getting jobs. They're great at getting a job. Their resume looks great. They're great in an interview, and they last only a short period of time. That's Stan Van Gundy. He's not worthy to have an NBA job. He's not one of the top 32 coaches in the world, or however many NBA teams there are. He's just not. Chauncey Billups would have been better. Mark Jackson would have been superior. So when I when I take a look at the coaching landscape and, and people talk about Jeff Van Gundy was possibly up for the Rockets, which you've notated a bunch on social media and different places. So we're talking about guys that have been out of the game for a really long time, have been an analyst on TV, and that when they were in there, there was a modicum of success. I mean, the success that Jeff Van Gundy, as an example, had in New York was a byproduct because Pat Riley went to Miami. So he was left with everything that Pat Riley did. That's a huge deal, right? It's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys scenario. Jimmy Johnson wins the Super Bowls. He and Jerry Jones clash heads. He leaves. They bring in Barry Switzer from Oklahoma. They win a Super Bowl that year. Well, Barry Switzer didn't do anything, right? That was Jimmy Johnson's team. So, But when I look across the NBA landscape and you see a proven point guard then a man's first NBA job was to take the talentless, lackluster, D-League team that was the Golden State Warriors. And for you guys out there that are young and you think that, uh, that the Warriors are lit, they are now. 
But, man, they were awful. They made the Cleveland Cavaliers of last year look like uh, Showtime Lakers of the 80s or Jordan's Bulls of the 90s. The Golden State Warriors were the biggest laughing stock of any professional sports team, period. There, there is no arguing that. But what Mark Jackson did was he turned that organization around from the culture to the inside to the players, and he took them to the playoffs. In fact, they would have went pretty deep if it wasn't for Steph Curry's weak ankles, right, that pushed him out. And the sad part about it is you have a guy like Stan Van Gundy, out there being a social justice warrior. But if you do a quick Google search on Mark Jackson, there are many respected NBA writers and veterans that believe that Mark Jackson has been blackballed in the NBA because of his overt Christian beliefs, and they don't line up with today's social justice warrior messages. That's discrimination, and that's wrong. So when you see a man like Stan Van Gundy that hasn't done anything in the win-loss and personnel department get his third NBA head coaching job, and you see somebody like Mark Jackson who turned the hapless Warriors organization into a perennial championship winner, my, my anger over diversity is there. If people want to talk about diversity issues, Maybe somebody should ask the question, why is it Mark Jackson can't get hired, black guy, and a pompous, arrogant jerk, Stan Van Gundy on his third team, white guy, that gets hired? It's because, one, the white guy is kneeling down to the virtue-singling social justice warriors out there, and the other is a man of character and principle who happens to stand up for what he believes. And these peasants... That, that run these NBA organizations that bow to China and bow to the mainstream media are keeping a qualified black man out of a job to hire a blowhard like Stan Van Gundy. That is my rational explanation. And quite honestly, he didn't deserve any more of our time. Topic number single! Hey, real quick. What about that there NBA draft? What do you know about it? Okay, for the NBA draft, it will be held virtually at ESPN on November 18th. So the short and sweet of it is, the NBA draft, since it's going to be held virtually, is going to be the same setup as, like, as everybody saw for the NFL draft. It's all going to see like the player, like players' reactions, what they're doing inside their home, probably. And we're going to still see Adam Silver on the podium giving like who's like who to show horns, for example, our draft thing and things like that. We're still going to be seeing the board and things like that. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Do they have any update yet on what if there's going to be a Vegas league? I know it's usually in the summer, right, but everything's kind of discombobulated. Has there been any word yet on the Vegas Summer League being moved to a different time of year? I've not heard anything yet uh, from reports or anything like that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to affect a lot of guys because, look, uh, that's a lot of guys where they make their mark uh, is in that Vegas Summer League. So people shouldn't poo-poo that. Yeah, one through five uh, in the draft or one through eight in the draft, they may not necessarily go to the Vegas League, but there's been a lot of guys that have really made a reputation coming out of there. Uh, Real quick, in regards to it looks like November 18th for the virtual draft that you said, any sort of update right now, Josh, on when the start of the season may be? Okay, guys, so on the start of the season, everybody's planning for pre-Christmas. 
And they're hoping to do that around December 22nd, if possible. And the way they're going to be doing that is they're going to cut the games to 72 games, no all-star um, game slash break, and then they'll have a play-in tournament that will play staff. Plus, um, the league might add a two-week break for the player slash teams. Interesting. So, no NBA All-Star Weekend? You're not, no, you're not going to be doing the game. That came up from Adam Silver? No, because um, originally ESPN, like, I think um, someone broke down on it. Okay. And then, yeah, they were blessed. Well, if it came from Woj, we know it's wrong, or he got it from you. It's one of the two, right? <laughs> yeah. But all those things. But I'm really disappointed in All-Star because the All-Star Week is just something nice to do. Well, here's what I know. True or false? If there's no NBA All-Star Weekend, Aaron Gordon can't get hosed in the slam dunk <laughs> competition again because the man gets hosed all the time. Thanks, D-Wade. D-Wade pretty much did that for Bama Bob because he, because he was on the heat. Yeah, well, yeah, no quite. Look, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous as far as things go. So, yeah, breaking news on that stuff. And, guys, I mean, look, at the big deal, little deal. I think everything that we talked about here today – Big deal? Yeah, I'll have to say. Absolutely a big deal. And and so, you know, as we transition out of this, we, we want to talk about from worst to first, uh, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. And now that we have a little bit more time before the start of the season and the draft and whatnot, the draft's still a little bit weeks away, I think what we're going to do is we're going to break down the Eastern Conference now. I think we're going to have a free agent draft special coming up. So stay tuned, right? I mean, if you subscribe to our channel, you'll get that little boink, notification that there's a brand new thing on the podcast. So let's do this. Let's break it down. Let's take the two top, I'm sorry, <laughs> two top, the two worst teams in the Eastern Conference this past year. Let's break it down, right? Let's do it in rapid fire. Um, and, 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 and let's see, let's see what the prospects are for, for 2021. Uh, or 21, rather. Yeah, 2021, whatever. You know what I mean. Shut up. Uh, the worst team in the Eastern Conference last year with a record of 19-46 and 46 was... The Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, they were dead last in their conference. Number 15. Uh, the only bubble that uh, they saw was uh, in their bath because it was truly another miserable year in existence. But... The question is, are things looking up? Should we be bullish on that stock, meaning we want to buy? Should we be bearish on that stock, meaning if you got any stock left in the Cavaliers, now it's time to sell? So let's talk about where does the conversation, who's the person that you begin and end the conversation with the Cleveland Cavaliers with, and he and should he be that guy, what you got? I've seen the guy, the first start and first end, it would have to be Colin Sexton. He's proven that with 20 points just last year and everything like that. But the sad part about the Cavs is, finally, I have this guy right here, but this is like a big rebuild that you have to do around him because you got no one else. And what really stinks about Colin Sexton is that he has this great talent. He knows how to score. He knows how to get in the line. He knows all those things, but... The only other two key players that I have is Kevin Love and Andrew Drummond. Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. So, yeah, let's talk about this. I mean, look, I think a few things. Um, 
Cleveland sold their soul for that NBA title. And quite honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, people are making the comments, well, oh, look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They signed Brady. They signed Gronk. They signed Antonio Brown. They don't have any long-term strategy. Shut your hole. It is up to each person, the owner, to say, hey, community, we're going all in no matter what it takes to win an NBA title. There are a lot of franchises that haven't won one. Are you listening, Phoenix Suns? Are you listening, Utah Jazz? Are you listening, Indiana Pacers? Are you listening, Orlando Magic and Philadelphia 76ers? So I am so sick and tired. Look, I'm not a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Cleveland's the mistake on the lake for a really good reason, but I'm so sick of people saying, Oh, you did all this just to win an NBA title. Yeah, no crap. That's the whole idea. Okay, was it in the long-term best interest? No. It doesn't matter. You won an NBA title. Ask me if anybody from the Washington Bullets from 30 years ago or the Washington Wizards today wouldn't have done the same to win a title. Milwaukee hasn't won one since Luau Sindor, who is now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, come on. This is crazy. So the argument, nice iPhone sound on coming through the Mac sound. Um, the argument is that they destroyed their future to win that NBA title. My response is, I mean, what are you supposed to do? LeBron Jordan says he wants to come back. Well, LeBron, uh, really, the reality of it is we'd love to have you, but uh, skiddly-doo, we, we just drafted this point guard out of Duke, and we'd really like to build around him. No, you don't do that. And for the same reason that Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going all in right now, for the same reason that Denver Broncos are going through a rebuild, right? They went in all in on Peyton Manning. They didn't have a plan B. Who gives a crap? You won a Super Bowl. That's the idea. Ask the Arizona Cardinals, right? So let's get that out of our mind. Here's why I got a problem with the Cavaliers. Uh, forget LeBron for a second from the perspective of letting him leave. LeBron's a different entity. But here, and you are 100% right in what you said, the conversation starts with Colin Sexton. But, but there's something fundamentally wrong with the organization. Kobe Altman, Dan Gilbert, the basketball operations, the hiring of John Beeline was an abject failure. We can talk about that a little bit. Um, but, but Colin Sexton is a point guard, right? Right. Right. You drafted a point guard, number one overall in uh -huh. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. So let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't you do everything in your power to sign him, to please him? See, here's the problem. And his problem being a small market team. Look, here's the reality. A lot of guys don't want to play in Cleveland. Why? Because it's Cleveland. Cleveland is not South Beach in Miami. It's not Scottsdale, Arizona. It's not Los Angeles. It's not Dallas. It's not New York. It's Cleveland. There's a reason why people say, hey, I'm not going to go vacation in Pittsburgh. Why? It's Pittsburgh. Okay? Nobody says, oh, pack up the kids. We're going to spend a month in Buffalo. Nobody does that because these are horrible cities in which to live in. Here's the problem I have. Because you can't keep the talent that you properly pick, 
you have to keep refilling these positions. At what point is Gilbert and, and Kobe going to say, geez, um, we, we got to keep these guys. Um, forget LeBron. LeBron's his own, LeBron was going to go because he wanted to go play with his friends because he couldn't win a title on his own. He's got to do it with his friends, right? The only way he got a title in Miami was with his buddies. The only way he got a title in Cleveland was with his buddies. The only way he got a title in Los Angeles is with his buddies. He couldn't do it during the Jordan era because Jordan would have punched him right in the throat. Anyway, here's the problem. You had good pieces. You had Kyrie Irving. You knew that LeBron was going to be a rental. He wasn't going to finish his career. You knew that. Even if he told you otherwise, you knew that the bright lights in the big city of Los Angeles was simply too much for LeBron to pass. And I don't blame him from a brand perspective, a business perspective, and a post-basketball career. That's the place that LeBron James should be. No question. So why not go all in on Kyrie Irving? Why not go in to say, look, he's in New Jersey. New Jersey's a pit, okay? New Jersey is literally an armpit. Like, you wouldn't even want to stop and poop in New Jersey if you didn't have to, okay? But here's what I'm saying. You're, you're constant re, constantly drafting to replace the pieces that you had, you had already drafted, right? Right, because you basically just take – who Kyrie was amazing, a point guard – so basically, you take all these guys, you get them, you just drop them to a dispenser, and just let them go to free agency. Like, what battle plan is that? I, I've always said this. I think the one thing that the NFL does right, I like the fact that the NBA does a super max contract where the incentive to sign with the team that originally drafted you is usually a gigantic amount of money in longer years. Here's what's happening. Guys are opting for shorter years. Because the more tenure they get, it's different at five, it's different at eight, it's different at ten, and all these different things, right? It could have been a situation where Kyrie said, look, I'm absolutely, positively, beyond a shadow of a doubt, not re-signing here under any circumstance whatsoever. If that's the case, then you have to ask the question, why? Why would he feel that way? Cleveland's a part of it. I get that. But it's not everything. People still play in crap hole towns. Look at Oklahoma City. Look at Indianapolis. I mean, these are these are not guarded spots, guys. And it's not me insulting you. It's just, why can't Orlando attract good people? And it's one of the greatest places to live in the world. Plus, there's no state income tax, which saves guys millions of dollars. So that's a part of it. I think there's a cultural issue. I think that behind the scenes, LeBron and his cronies... Uh, his management team, I, I guarantee you have have blackballed uh, Cleveland to anybody that they can touch. Uh, Clutch Sports, I don't think, represents one person except for Tristan Thompson, and he doesn't matter. He didn't matter then. He was just LeBron's buddy, and he doesn't matter now. Um, I mean, he just hangs out with the Kardashians. I mean, that's, that's his thing. So that's a part of the problem. I, I think the big swing in the mist this past year with John Beeline that was embarrassing. Look, uh, and uh, we've talked about it privately, you and I. Coach K was once offered a um, uh, a contract, five years, $25 million, which back then was big money for a coach, to go coach the Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe Bryant. He passed on it because he's got the greatest setup in the world at Duke. I'm not really sure why John Beeline uh, left Michigan. Billy Donovan is about the only guy that I know that's had success leaving college to go to the pros. So, I mean, now... 
Now they got uh, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Um, uh, Bickerstaff. Uh, JB Bickerstaff is now the head coach. Is he a significant upgrade over John Beeline? Well, no, because if he was, they would have hired him as the head coach in the first place. Uh, can he mold some talent? You know, we'll find out. I think there's a cultural issue happening there. Um, I think the other part of the problem is um, I think it's time that they move on from Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love, which obviously everybody knows, got to Cleveland because they traded who? Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, so he was at Minnesota. He was dying in Minnesota. I mean, listen, hold on a second. You want to talk about a team that's had talent through the years that's never been able to get through the hump. You had Kevin Garnett. You had Christian Leitner. You had Stefan Marbury. You have the cat. Uh, who's the other dude that's there now with the cat? D'Lo. Yeah, yeah. So you've had, I mean, you've had mountains of guys go through Minnesota, and and they can't get ever ever since Flip Saunders died, uh, their coach that transitioned out. It was just, it's never been the same. But here's the deal. Um, you you had a number one pick in Andrew Wiggins. That seat's brutal, isn't it? Oh, really? That seat you're listening. Yeah, it's brutal. Okay, sorry. He's squirming like a fish out of water. Um, so you gave up a number one draft pick in Andrew Wiggins. Was LeBron right? Ultimately, he proves to look right. However, he could have been wrong in this respect. Andrew Wiggins went from going to play with Kyrie, which could have maybe stayed with Kyrie, right, after the fact, go to Minnesota to get a proven veteran. He was a 2020 guy in Kevin Love. I, again, I totally agree with the assessment that you go all in. Right? You go all in and win a title. And I think LeBron knew that this guy is not NBA material. So he was probably right. But looking at it now, what's the piece that you're missing to go along with Colin Saxton? Well, it would be Andrew Wiggins if he could perform. Now, he's got all kinds of opportunity. Think about what the Golden State Warriors are going to be if they come back healthy with Curry, Thompson, Green, Wiggins. Come on, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. So now there's another guy in Minnesota. No, there's another guy. He's 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 a beast. Anyway, uh, I'll think of him in a minute. But anyway, so uh, here here's what's happening. You're, you're you you paid the one guy, which I understand. You thought maybe some free agents would come and and uh, play with Kevin Love. Okay, I get that. That's totally fine. Uh, but but what now? I think it's time to let him go. He's still a huge asset. I was actually surprised I didn't see him make his way out to L.A. He took the money. Made total sense. I totally get it. I would have done the same thing, right? But I think it's time to move on because somebody desperately wants um, uh, a, a talent like uh, Kevin Love. There's no doubt about it. And, I, I, yeah, I understand it. He's got a, win, a ring and, and all the other kind of stuff. But, no, maybe you're right. Maybe that was it. I'm looking it up now. I, don't, I, I thought there was somebody else. There's somebody in my brain with the Timberwolves. Maybe it was Wiggins together. Probably was Wiggins, Wiggins and, and the big cat together. Now I'm thinking about it. But anyway, so what do you think? I mean, what do you think about Kevin Love? Uh, I, I know a part of your thing is, you know, Fred Van Vliet, but I, I think you let Colin Sexton stay at point guard. You don't move him over to shooting guard. I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts on Love? What is it that they should do? Yeah, Love is interesting because he's, he's in his 30s, so he's still in. He's still in great age, great age. He can still do everything, but I think it's time to let him walk. I think you've done your due with him. I think you've gone everything out of him. It hasn't been working <laughs> with him being like the main guy. Trying, 
I'm trying to be like that a uh, big man, I'm trying to be that one player that's gonna do it all. We saw that in the past year, two years, and things like that. I say you are walking, try to figure out some other pieces to get. Yeah, where are they drafting at this year? Do you know? Uh, I do not know. Let me let me look that up real quick. But here's the thing: I if they let um Ken Love walk because you have on um Andre Drummond now. Mm -hmm. Andre Drummond's not that piece. First of all, you don't let Kevin Love walk. You trade him because he's got amazing value, right? He's got a big contract, but he is a significant piece. Could you imagine a Kevin Love on the Dallas Mavericks with Kristoff and Luka? Um, that's that's game-changing type of stuff. Isn't the Cavs like sixth or something? Yeah, they're fifth. Fifth. Yeah, it's a tough draft for five. Uh, they, they may squeak somebody out of five. They're, the problem with this draft is... I mean, look, this one may prove to be incredibly deep. And during our draft special, we'll break down the top 30 prospects in, in this year's NBA draft. Here's the problem. There's no glaring number five. Uh, in years past, you could be like, he's going to go first, second, third, fourth. This is a perfect fit in for fifth. There's a lot of people projecting certain people at five. But the truth of the matter is that there isn't that wow guy. And look, Cleveland still needs a wow guy to go along with Sexton. And if they keep love... I know Love's really ingratiated himself within the community. Here's the deal. You've got to get some stability in the head coaching ranks. You've went from Dave Yorger to Tyrone Lou, then you fired Lou, uh, he, you know, because uh, he was like, he went 0 for 6 the year after LeBron went. He literally had a physical and mental breakdown. Um, so you fired him. I, I don't know what putts you brought in to bring in after that. I can't remember. And then you got – I mean, so this has been like a revolving door. You need a coach with stability. If you're going to have a five-year plan with a coach, you got to stick with the five-year plan. you got to know that you're Cleveland, that you're not going to get Tier 1 free agents, right? You're going to have to go over Tier 2 free agents. And we'll talk about the free agent class, right? Like you, you and I were talking about, is Victor Oladipo up? He may be. He's not coming to Cleveland. Is Giannis coming to Cleveland? Of course he's <laughs> not coming to Cleveland, right? Those sort of things. So what is it that you can do? Look, Orlando can't get free agents. Chicago, the Bulls dynasty, man. The house that Jordan built, they can't get free agents, right? That's why you're stuck with somebody like Zach Levine. He's a great player, but he's a role player. Andre Drummond is not somebody you build around. He's a role player. Colin Sexton is, is going to be a star, but not a superstar. You need a superstar with him, right? That whole thing. Uh, my boy Larry Nance, right? I know you don't like Larry Nance Jr., but he's young. He's athletic. He can be a baller off the bench. He can do certain things. So, I mean, look, there is no quick fix to Cleveland. You got to work the mid range, uh, these sort of free agents. You got to build from within, and you got to retry to retain the talent. So, every three years, you're not redrafting for a point guard who became a star. Redrafting a forward became a star. You can't, you'll, you'll never be able to do that one and done. Look, even if, like, if your plan was, I can win an NBA title at once every 10 years. We make it, we blow it up, we win it, we make it, we blow it up, we win it, right? That's fine. But before LeBron, I mean, I don't know how many years Cleveland was in existence, and they didn't win it with Mark Price, Craig Elo, Brad Doherty, and, and all that kind of stuff, Some really, and Larry Nance Sr., some really, really talented teams they could ever get over the hump. So those of you that saying Cleveland sold out, yep, you're, you're right, they sure did. Uh, and they got an NBA title to show it. So, all right. The second worst team in the Eastern Conference was... The Atlanta Hawks. Man. So, again, the conversation 
starts and ends with the name Trey Young. Yeah, Trey Young. He's something special. Break it down with Trey Young. Yeah, Trey Young is getting 20 points per game now. He's lining up. He's getting these quick assists. He's piling up the assists. He's piling up the points. He's a proven. Um, he's a proven shooter. He is um super. He is becoming like a mini superstar in a way because of how explosive, how quick, just how he is like how he can pass the ball. His court vision, how he can spread out because everything just goes right through him. The ball's brought up and it's just going. The offense should be going is it and is going through him. And I think with the Hawks. They always have. It's gonna start and end with Trey Young. So that's the player you have to build around, which I believe they are now. Like the Hawks, not in the same situation with the Cavs, of course not. But they have to find players. Now, one of our player that isn't um, that has came, I believe, last year's draft would have been Cam Reddish. And Cam Reddish is interesting because right now he's scoring ten points per game. So. Right now it goes Trey Young, then Cam Rush, who's getting the most scoring as a shooter. Yeah, look, I mean, here's the reality of it. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks haven't been relevant since Dominique Wilkins. Spud Webb, Mookie Blaylock, Stacey Augment, Cliff Livingston, those teams. That's a fact. Here's what Trey Young is and isn't. Trey Young was super hyped coming out of Oklahoma. That kid was doing crazy, crazy stuff all during the year and through the NCAA tournament. Okay. The most relevant that the Hawks had been were prior to Trey Young under Mike Budenholzer, the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. He took them to their best record in 48 years with 60 wins. The Hawks, just a couple years ago, under Mike Budenholzer, were 60 and 22. 60 and 22. And they had their deepest playoff run. Coaching matters. Lloyd Pierce is your coach of the Atlanta Hawks. With all due respect to Coach Pierce, he's not Mike Budenholzer. He's not getting this team to 60 wins. So I want you to remember that because that's key. Now, is Trey Young the next Steph Curry? Not sure. He's the generation that kind of came behind Curry, you know, shoot it from anywhere in the gym, so on and so forth. Can he do that? We'll see. Right now, he's got pretty good range. But here's what I'm here to tell you. Here is why Trey Young is paramount to the success of the Atlanta Hawks. Outside of all the guys, Dominique Wilkins, Spud Webb, Mookie Blaylock, Cliff Levington, and Stacey Ogman. There's a few guys in there you've never heard of. And Trey Young and Cam Reddish. Name me anybody from the Atlanta Hawks in the last X number of years. I can't besides Vince <laughs> right, because, yeah, I mean, and Vince Carter is really just a novelty, and he has been for the last five years. He can jump out of the gym, but he's a novelty act, and God bless him for it. He's a wonderful athlete. Here's the reality. Trey Young in the city of Atlanta will attract free agents. If Trey Young continues to develop, now here's the, again, in the offseason, Oklahoma City gets eliminated. It would have been uh, Mr. Donovan, the Atlanta Hawks are on line one. What Billy Donovan could have done for the Atlanta Hawks would have been extraordinary on every conceivable level. Right? The right coach makes all... Look, the Oklahoma City Thunder were expected to be in the toilet. They were in the playoffs. And they did it with a three-guard system. 
Billy Donovan just came from college five years ago from Florida after winning I don't know how many national titles. Big deal? Yeah, because he can coach up guys like Trey Young and Cam Reddish. What are they hoping from Cam Reddish? It's really simple. You don't have to look any further than the Boston Celtics and don't you dare say Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum. What they hope is, is that Cam Reddish will take on the qualities of Jason Tatum. Can he? I don't know. We're going to find out. He needs to grow into his body. But here's the one thing that the owner of the Atlanta Hawks has to understand, is that the only reason that anybody gives a darn about your organization, your games, your tickets, your merchandise, your jerseys, your t-shirts, your TV rights, and all of that is Trey Young. And you best figure out what it is that you need to do to get rid of Lloyd Pierce. Yeah, why wouldn't you have bought, brought Doc Rivers back home? Doc Rivers was the point guard for the Atlanta Hawks. Bring Doc in and say, Doc, uh, $8 million a year, five years. Here's $40 million. Take Trey Young, transform him into something amazing, and then other guys will come because you're Doc Rivers. See, there's the business of the business, and there's the business of basketball, Right? Lloyd Pierce doesn't get the job done. Trey Young does. Cam Reddish does. This is a foundational piece. The one thing that Sarver for the Phoenix Suns has figured out is I need to sign my guy, D. Book, to some big money, and I better start putting some talent around him and better get him a right guy. Monty Williams is the right guy. Could have had Luka Doncic instead of DeAndre Aiden, but I still think Aiden is going to be uh, probably a three or four times all-star in his career. That would be my guess, right? And we'll talk about the Suns another day. Trey Young is a huge deal. Now, you Victor Oladipo, right? Goes there. Fred Van Fleet as the natural point guard. You put off, uh, you put off our boy uh, Trey Young off to the shooting guard and let him shoot. Right, and you got Cam Reddish at six seven, who's going to be your slasher. You're inside, not your back to the basket guy, but he can do all that. Plus, he can put up a little bit of shot. Van Fleet, we can get Cam Reddish open. These guys, Trey Young and Cam Reddish, cannot create their own shot. They need a point guard and wish to do that. I'm not saying somebody like Lonzo Ball; he's garbage. I'm talking about Freddie Van Fleet, your guy that you were talking about with with what much McCall. So I think that's a huge deal. I mean, big deal, little deal. Where are they drafting at uh, this year? Uh, let's let's look at that. I think they're drafting in a position where it's going to be, again, no man's land. I think they're in the top ten. They may be six or seven, I'm, I'm guessing. But uh, it's not in a position where I think they're going to find that immediate impact type of person. Although I do like what you had to say about Gordon Hayward and kind of the pre-show notes. That guy, that sort of veteran leadership, he's not going anywhere from Boston. You know that. I know that. Plus, I'm not sure he's ever going to be the same from that devastating injury, which is truly unfortunate. Where are they uh, where are they drafting at? Sixth pick. Yeah, sixth. Again, uh, one spot even trickier. I, I don't know. Would you go all in? Would you try to make some moves? Would you try to make some trades? You got to keep your core pieces. Cam Reddish there and Trey Young. Uh, can you make those moves? You know, I I, I really don't know. Uh, I know this. There's not a complimentary amount of players right now on that team from a veteran perspective, from a merchant talent perspective. You got to do something in free agency. This ownership is really not good. Uh, the executive turnover and over the last couple of years, the debacle and the racial incidents with Danny Ferry and all that that happened in Atlanta, and then the post cover up. I don't know what it is that they're doing, but they're not doing it well. 
they have fallen dramatically since the 60-win season with Budenholzer just from a few years ago with a talent like Trey Young. You better be doing all that you can as he enters year three. It's a pivotal year for Trey Young. This is a pivotal year for the Atlanta Hawks. Here's the deal. This year's draft is not going to do anything that's going to have a direct and immediate impact on this organization, this team's, and this team's prospects. I think at best, they can maybe get to 30 wins next year, and I think that's being really, really nice. Could they surprise everybody like they did a few years ago? They certainly could. The problem is, Lloyd Pierce is not uh, Budenholzer. Any final thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, I agree with you, because you need to have a good coach to help great players. So as we've seen, Pierce and Trey don't mix well. They don't because Trey's doing everything he can to make the team great. Pierce is just lagging behind. We can't keep up. So I think if you find the right head coaching fit, I think that's how you succeed. Jason Kidd on line one, the associate head coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. Ask Giannis. Ask Giannis how important he was for his career. Yeah, he's the one that developed Giannis and developed that young core over in Milwaukee. I would back up the Brinks truck over over to Los Angeles, and I'd say, Mr. Kid, what is it going to take uh, to get you to come to Atlanta? Uh, kind of a kind of a huge huge deal there. So those are the two worst. They're definitely not going to first. I think both of them will make maybe slight improvements, maybe five to seven games in the win column for each. Nothing of any grand significance, if anything else. The longer season, the extra fifteen. Oh no. If they're only calling, there would only be an extra 10 games over what they played. If they're going to cut it back from 82 games to 72 games, it'll be interesting to see. If these guys are losing training camp, this is going to help young or hurt young rosters like Trey Young and Cam Reddish and young coaches and all of the above. So that is that on that end. No predictions sure to go wrong. Unbelievable. We still have head coaching openings. We got the Indiana Pacers, and we got the Indiana Pacers. I think that's the only head coaching opening that there is left in the NBA. Yeah. So no prediction show to go wrong, guys. We had a lot of late breaking news. Let's put. Oh. Uh, oh, you know what? Yeah. Did the Thunder ever find a head coach? Oh. No, I don't think so. You got Indianapolis, and you got the Thunder. Uh, as, as possibility. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Chris Paul this offseason. I think we're going to see a lot of point guard movement and trades and free agency. So I think the Thunder are still out there and Indianapolis is still out there. Well, it's just the Thunder because of um, Indianapolis hired Nate, um, Nate um, B. George Grant. <laughs> I say his last name. He's the former um, Raptors assistant head coach. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, who cares? Uh, who cares about him and who cares about Indianapolis? They have been relevant since Reggie Miller was there anyway. All right. Guys, a couple quick updates. One, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud. We're going to get a more consistent day and time. We were doing really well there, but we really wanted to get out on those channels and then information was breaking faster than what we could put the podcast together. We tucked in a ton of information into this today. Courtsideheat.com, twitter.com slash courtsideheat, instagram.com slash courtsideheatmba, parlor.com slash courtsideheat, youtube.com slash courtsideheat, rumble! Go over there, find us on Courtside Heat, and give us some rumbles on those videos. Those MJ videos are sick. We're also on Medium. We're also on Tumblr. Man, we are everywhere. Courtside Heat 
dot store the Macari store. And before we get out of here, don't forget, guys, we're on the iTunes platform. Go in there and search Courtside Heat. We're on the Google Podcast platform, search Courtside Heat. And as always, hit that five-star review if you think we are so deserved. Write a really cool comment in there. Share it with your friends. Let everyone know. Also, don't forget, courtsideheat.com, twitter.com slash courtsideheat, instagram.com slash courtsideheatmba, parlor.com slash courtsideheat, youtube.com slash courtsideheat, rumble.com, very cool video platform, get on there, search courtsideheat, we're on Medium, we're on Tumblr, man, we are everywhere that conversation about basketball is happening. Courtsideheat.store is the Macari hookup. We got hundreds of products on there. We got, what, another 450 items to put on? Oh, yeah. We just got that like a week or two ago. We got a sick amount of inventory that's getting ready to go on. The unfortunate thing for you guys listening, it comes off just as fast as it goes on. From cards to autographs to figurines to books to DVDs to VHS Whatever it is you need, we got the very best in basketball memorabilia. Courtsideheat.store takes you directly to Macari. We're on eBay. Like I said, who cares? Courtsideheat.com slash store. That takes you right to the website. Got lots of promo codes. Got lots of coupons that you won't get on Macari. Check it out. Courtsideheat.com. You're going to see that promo code the moment that you get on there. Click on that. I think it's up to $6 off on a $25 order. That is redonkulous. Get on there. Check it out. Any final words? Um, So far, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Cavs, Hawks, Courts do, of course, with the new um, head coach signings. Yeah, things like that. That's all I got. There is no offseason in the NBA anymore. Between free agency, the drafts, hirings, firings, comings, going, Euro, everything that's going on, stay connected. Courtsideheat.com, the podcast. Find us on iTunes. Share it. Share it with your friends and, and, and ball lovers. Man, we would absolutely love it. Until next time, he is the hardwood expert, Josh. I am Jason. We'll see you on the next podcast.